In today's episode of the Burr Grinder Show, we've got to have a conversation with Mohideen Abu Bakr, who's an amateur MMA fighter fighting out of East London. We think he'll probably turn pro soon because he has a pretty nice record of eight wins and one sort of very dubious loss. But in this episode, I had the opportunity and the privilege to speak to him about sort of the mindset of being a champion. You know, he holds a number of different belts and a number of different promotions. And I think you need a particular mindset to go into a cage with another man who's trained just as hard as you. Another man who's trained to knock you out or submit you. It's, um, it's a pretty interesting and pretty serious kind of mindset position that someone who does that every single day <laughs> needs to go through. You know, we also got to talk about sort of the training, the routines and things like that that you really need to achieve the level of being a champion and to even defend your belts as well and to maintain a position of being a champion consistently. We also had the opportunity to talk about generally the world of professional sports. And I think of all the people that I've interviewed and had conversations with, you know, over the past sort of four or five years, I think I think he's probably the one that I've been the most starstruck by. So, uh, so without further ado, let's get into the episode. If I understand how to use all of it, then... Uh... Then we are recording. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Muhyiddin Abu Bakr, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you? Yeah, alhamdulillah, I'm very well, How you been? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. 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 Were you training this evening? Not this evening, unfortunately. I train in the morning, though. Um, okay, I was nice. going to train in the... Basically, what, what, what? right now, yeah. in, I'm training in someone's garage, so... Mm. And it's not my friend, it's my friend's friend. So if my friend is not going, I can't go. And he had okay. something come up with his family. So, but we train in the morning, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's nice, man. So what, what, what can you do at the moment? Like, I guess, I don't know, I guess some of the most, um, like, can you, with, with a sparring, can you spar with a sparring partner? Can you do stand-up? Yeah, we've got, alhamdulillah, we've got a little garage. It can fit, like, if there's four or five of us, it's perfect. Okay. Um, so yeah, we've got bags there, we've got the mats there, so we can wrestle, we can grapple. Mm. And I think the main thing is that um, the walls, we have to just be careful a little bit, but that's right. about it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm, at the moment, I'm in, I'm in Cornwall at the moment at my dad's place, and we've got quite a big garage here, and we've got, we've got, a, we've got a heavy bag in there and stuff, and it's, it's decent, but the, it's, it's the same. You've got to be careful with the, when there's, I don't know, tools and stuff lying around. You don't want to fall on a screwdriver or something, so... Yeah, I was like, this garage has been made into a gym. It's only a gym. Right, only okay. Okay. Yes, nothing else. You go in, it's all matted. Every part of the of the garage is matted. Mm. In the corner, kettlebells, some battle ropes. And then there's two bags. Nice, mashallah. Yeah. So you're staying in shape and stuff at the moment, yeah? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Good, alhamdulillah. Are you, like, are you, are you looking to be given a fight soon? Uh, yeah, yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Um, a show announced that they'll, they're doing a show behind closed doors. So Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. They'll probably, so, lose, they'll probably lose money, but that's not my mm, problem. <laughs> no, exactly. No, no, no. No, exactly. No. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, what I hope that we'll do in our conversation, inshallah, is we'll talk a little bit about sort of your background and how you got into martial arts and stuff, inshallah. Talk a little bit about your career and where you want to go. And then at the end, there's some kind of professional MMA and UFC stuff that I'd like us to have a chat about, inshallah. So, um, okay. yeah, so if we can start, inshallah, just like, just to give my audience a little bit of context on you, because some people will know who you are, like, especially my Sam of Somalia audience will probably know who you are and what you do. But, um, but just for some context, like, firstly, where, 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 like, where do you live? Where, like, where in the UK are you from? Next to my neighbor. Nah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want your postcode. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm from London, East London. Nice. Um, not so nice. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah cool. from 
Nice, cool. And then what, what about like your ethnic background? But I was Somalia. Okay. You look like the Barwani person. Like if I were to imagine a Barwani brother, you look like a you look like the Barwani brother, mashallah. You know, I, I, just I, don't, speaking... I don't like to, you know, like at the end of the day it's one country, you know, you don't like English people, you don't say I'm a scouse, I'm from London. But when I say I'm Somali, people are like, Oh, you don't look so so I just put that out there from the beginning, but I was Somalia. So I don't have to explain yeah. myself. No, of course, Akhi. Like, yeah, I understand that 100%, Akhi. Like, it's no less Somali. But of course not, bro. But, um, you know, I was going to say, I, I was, literally, like, 20 minutes ago, I was speaking to your boy, uh, Muhammad Mardabi. I was speaking to him, like, like half an hour ago. My cousin, um, to me, yeah. This subhanallah. Yeah, because I, I want to have him on the show sometime. Um, yeah, because yeah, as I think I told you, I've worked with him before. Obviously, he does poetry, and he was teaching in Saudi Arabia, and... Um, you know, there's yeah. just some interesting stuff that he can share, inshallah. But I was thinking, shout out to Barwani brothers and sisters, man, because of like of like the first sort of ten to fifteen guests that I want on the show, three of them are Barwanis. Like, if you think wow. about how small a place Barawa is, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I think Marshall. like it's kind of like a forgotten city. Like, there's no even the government don't really do anything there. There's no really like census of how many people are there. There's yeah, nothing yeah. really. There. You know, it's kind of like just live as live by itself you know just get by and do you guys do you you know yeah i know i know yeah i think i asked somebody who was who's there like i said how many people do you think live there and he said i reckon maybe 10 to twenty thousand. that's his estimate obviously there's no census so there's no way that i can like really provide an accurate yeah i'm saying like i have no idea i got no idea yeah i've got no idea as well like Google, Wikipedia says about, I think, 50, but that was written God knows when, so... Yeah, yeah, by anyone, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so, so how old were you when you first got into martial arts, and what style did you first start training with? Um, uh, first time I ever stepped into a gym, I started with karate when I mm-hmm. was, I think, 10, 10, 11. Oh, I mashallah. Think. Yeah, mashallah. karate. Have you continued with karate? Um, no, I stopped a few years ago, but it helped me. It's helped me a lot, even in my game, mm. for sure. Yeah, no. To, to be honest, like when I watched your last fight, it 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 seemed like it seemed like you you know even though sort of you, you're like I assume that you're doing a lot of wrestling work with the brothers when you got to Dagestan and stuff, and like it like obviously you seem strong in the in the ground game, but it I don't know. It looks like you're obviously really confident on your feet as well. And I remember the commentator yeah. saying that your background was in karate. And obviously here in the UK, like people here in the UK, if you get into martial arts, it's usually through karate in the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a lot of the guys from the US and stuff, maybe like they have a wrestling culture out there. Do you know what I mean? That, that we, we, we don't I really have here in the UK. Karate. When I started karate, I didn't know like what MMA was. That was like what, I'm 21 now, so maybe like 10, 11 years ago. Okay. I had no idea what MMA was, UFC, nothing, you know? Okay. I kind of just, I got into it just to like stay out of trouble because I was fighting a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what yeah. was that transition like? So you do karate for like, how long did you do karate for until you even heard of MMA? Well, well, I, start, I started karate about 10, 11. And then like my coach would also teach a little bit of grappling here and there. Mm-hmm. So like I knew like the basic stuff, like I knew a single leg, I knew a double leg, I knew some submissions. Um, but like it wasn't, but I didn't. I still didn't know what MMA was. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I just knew them as different arts. And then one day, I think I was, I was with my friend, and then he was like, "Oh, let's like, let's." He just wanted to like play fight basically, have a little wrestle, and then 
and then like he was like oh after the finish like oh you should come to try come to my gym try mma and that i was like i was skeptical at first i was like i wasn't really interested and i was like all right let me try it out in it mm-hmm. i went there and i got the bug man the rest <laughs> is history yeah yeah that's um that's that's quite cool though that you kind of you discovered mma as mma like a lot of people kind of come to it from one particular style like 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 for me i was only interested in grappling like i started out in brazilian jiu-jitsu in chiswick in west london and um you know and you know it was just interesting grappling like i just wanted to learn wrestling and takedowns and and grappling and um and it was really just um it was through that that i i just became interested in how grappling was applied in the octagon and um you know that 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 was the angle that i i came i I became interested in from i so i started mma and then like first I would just go MMA and then I was like, then there was like a Muay Thai class before it and I'll make sure to go to the Muay So then I started going like double sessions every day. Like within two, three weeks, I was just like going like three, four times a week, double session. I'll go like Muay Thai MMA, wrestling Muay Thai, you know, like I was just doing everything straight away kind of thing. Um, but then again, I also had a, a little bit of grappling before and I also had some striking before. So I kind of always in a way did MMA even before doing MMA. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Cool. But like, at what, at what point do you decide that you want to compete? Like, at what, at what point did you decide that you were willing to get into a get into a cage with another trained individual? I, I fought kickboxing first before MMA. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. How, how many kickboxing fights do you have? Um. So I have like in K one, I have nine. Um, if like, kickboxing, so like above waist style, yeah. so without low kicks, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe, I, I know in total my whole fight is around 26, like including MMA in total, I've had about 26 to 30. So I've wow. had MMA fights and about maybe like 13 kickboxing fights as well, something around that. Yeah. Nice. Okay, nice. So, so you're 21 now, you say, like when, when was your first, when was your first competitive fight? How old were you? 14. 14, wow, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Because, you know, I was looking at your I was looking at your amateur record, right? And then I was looking at, like, other people who have fought in the UFC. Like, even people who aren't competing anymore, like Brendan Sharp and people like that. And I was looking yeah. at their amateur record. They've got, like, three amateur fights. I was thinking, yeah, like, how are these boys getting into, getting into, like, professional MMA after doing, like, three or four amateur fights when Brother Muhyiddin Abu Bakr has stepped into a ring, like, 26 times with a different <laughs> man? <laughs> um, you know... The game's changed, you know, like, mm. the people, say, six years ago, could go one amateur fight, two amateur fights, and go to the UFC, you know? Yeah. Of that. But if you want to be elite, like, if you look at guys now, Khabib, amateur fights, he's had about 300 amateur fights. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, sambo, wrestling, jujitsu, everything, you're talking about 300 fights. Mine is 26, but I haven't included, like, no gi tournaments, you know, I've done some here and there, like, but these guys have had 300, 400 fights. I know guys who had 300 fights as well. Like, when I go to Chechnya or Dagestan and I ask people, like, over there, nobody counts their amateur record, you know? Like, when I ask them even how many amateur MMA fights do you have, they're like, I don't know. They just say a lot, a lot. Yeah. They don't even know, you know? And right. I think amateur needs to be kind of taken like that. It needs to be taken seriously to learn, but in the same way, not so serious because it's only amateur, you know. Like some people take their record like religiously, you know, like mm. it's like the end of my career. And but mm. it's, at the end of the day, you go pro, 
No one cares about your amateur record, man. Who knows about Khabib's record? No one. No one. No, of course. Do you think that? Do you think that um, Habib's twenty-eight and zero record? Do you think that that does? Do you think that that does influence him accepting or not accepting certain fights? Because it would for me, but I'm not Habib. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do, do you think for him, protecting that record is important to him? No, I think he's the best in the world by far. Yeah. He, there's no, there's no reason for him to. We were just, I was just speaking to him about, I was just speaking about him. Me and a few brothers were speaking today at, at training and we were saying like, as much as like that area of the world are good fighters, Khabib is like a different breed, you know, like he's one in a billion, you know, like it's not like, not every Dagestan is Khabib, not every no, Russian no. is Khabib, mm. not like he's something truly different. It's never been seen before, you know, like. He's been in the UFC maybe, what, eight years? How many Dagestani fighters have come through the ranks? Mm. There are high-level guys, but no one like him, you know? No, Even no. Islam is level. Like, and I'm not going to say he's better or worse, but what he does is, like, it's unseen, you know? Even from mm. the high-level grapple. So, yeah. like, I think when you're just that, when you're really, truly the best in the world and you can, like, he's got one game plan mm -hmm. and it doesn't change for nobody. No, no. If I fight... If I fight a striker today, as a striker, but he's got a bad grappling, I might go to grappling. If he's good striking, good grappling, I might understand I have to mix a bit of this, a bit of that. But Khabib's like, no, you deal with my problem and my mm. problem only, you know? So yeah. I don't think it's got anything to do with protecting fighters. I think early on in his career, he did this one million percent, if you look at his record. Okay. But a champion, there's no time for that. No, true. You know, I, I think like... But if we look at like Habib's previous, like most recent fights, it the, 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 like recently I've been thinking about it, just while watching some of some of Habib's f recent fights back, and um, it seems like a lot of the people who prepare for him, like they prepare with like open mat wrestlers, like they'll think they're fighting Habib, they need to get in some like at high level, like Olympic level wrestlers to wrestle with them, but like when I'm watching some of Habib's fights, I'm thinking like the the, the reason why I I believe Habib will retire thirty and oh. like I I believe he'll beat Justin Gaethje and I believe that he'll beat Tony Ferguson. And like the, the reason why is because like there's no it doesn't seem that there's anyone else in MMA who does MMA grappling like Habib, like the like the nuances of MMA like the, the corners being more open of the octagon, the gloves being smaller. Actually, the cage itself, like grappling with the cage, is something that like open mat wrestlers are not doing like Habib. Like the the, yeah. the wrestlers that Conor the Conor McGregor got in, they're not grappling like Habib. Do you know what I mean? To First, like with Habib, there's there's two, three issues that you have to deal with. The first is the wrestling on the fence, because it's like it gets the octagon is like okay, it's an octagon, and once it gets to like about a meter behind the the fence in front of the fence, you know what he's going to do. You like when I watch his fights, and I'm like he's going to shoot right now, and he shoots. You know, yeah, yeah. it's not rocket science what he's doing. He's just doing simple things, but he's a master. Well, yeah. simple thing. You've got to deal with that, of um, the the problem of him taking you to the fence. Because you could get Olympic wrestlers and wrestle with them on the cage. It's not they're not going to be able to take you down like they take you down. No, the, exactly, the, exactly. Yeah. Like the cage is a weapon for both people, for both the offensive and the defensive. But he's so good at using it offensively, you know. And then on top of that, so that's one thing that you're only going to get from MMA fighters, not wrestlers. And there's no MMA fighter that can do that. No, no. Second of all, you've got to prepare for his top game, which 
it's out there, but it's probably BJJ guys who are like two, three weight classes above, you know? Mm. And then and then the third thing, which is the problem, because those guys who do have that top top game can't do this, which is the ground and pound. So mm. it's like you have one, you don't have the other two, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like so it's very hard, man. Like yeah. nobody ground and pound like that, nobody's relentless on the fence like that. And nobody in MMA really has pressure like that. So it's, yeah, man, pick your Yeah, no, I know, for sure. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Because, cause, you know, like, the, I remember when, when, when Habib was set um, to fight Tony Ferguson, I remember people sort of saying that, like, the, the submissions that Tony Ferguson would throw up from the bottom and fighting from his back, that would be a problem for Habib. But I never thought that would be a problem. And it didn't look like you did either. It didn't look like you thought that would be a problem for Habib. But, um, and, and then with Gaethje, like, I don't know if you heard Gaethje's episode on the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't, I don't know if you heard that. I watched it until he started advertising. Oh, okay, right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, well, well, with Justin Gaethje sort of talking about his strategy with him being a really good defensive wrestler, again, I'm thinking, like, you might have been in, college, in collegiate wrestling. Like, you, you, you might have been. Do you know what I mean? But there's there's sort of specific MMA grappling that it seems like Habib is a few generations above all the other fighters at. You know, so that that, that was just my thoughts. Justin Gaethje spoke about how he wrestled against um, Olympic champion, multiple time Olympic champion, Jordan Burroughs in in college. Yep. He said, I defended his, dub, his notorious double leg for three minutes and whatnot. But Habib's not going to double leg you. He's going to take you down from the fence. Have you mm. defended that from Jordan Burroughs? Like, have you felt that before? You know, it's something totally different. And yeah. Tony Ferguson, man, submissions from the bottom, like, it's, it's very hard to, like, you know, high-level guys, like Habib, you could put, I genuinely believe you could put him against any grappler in the world, high-level, you're talking like black belt, world champion. I'm not saying he'll win, you know, but I don't think anyone will submit these guys. It's very hard to submit a black belt, like, really high level, you know. If you watch black belts fight in jiu-jitsu, it's usually just a sweep, you know. There's no... You've got to make really big mistakes to get submitted at that level, you know. Yeah. And Habib's very disciplined. He knows everything. And Were you nervous for Habib when Dustin Poirier had him in a guillotine? I was there live. Were you? <laughs> yeah. I was in Abu Dhabi, yeah. Wow, subhanAllah. <laughs> Yeah, you got nervous, right? I, I did as well, right? Like I was, I was in, um, I was in a place in Northampton, watching it with a load of brothers there, and I was like on the floor demonstrating. Look, if Justin Poirier's shin wasn't across his belly, was like this, I was like demonstrating like how tight it would be if it was another way. But obviously, you know, Habib knows better than us how he's protected himself in that in that position. But but I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> like I, I was, I was holding my breath for him. I just wouldn't tap it. He'd either go to sleep or he'd get out of it, you know. Um, yeah, I know he'd have gone to the last second, mm. um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, man. Because I, I think that is why, like, I think that's why people thought that Tony Ferguson would be able to do something. Because Tony Ferguson, we've seen him. Well, I think he has three dust chokes or something in the UFC. Like from from, from that position, like you know, head, head, you know, guillotines or head and arm chokes and stuff is something that there'd have been an opportunity for, but. Again, I, personally, I don't buy it, but like, I think that's an interesting way of looking at the Tony Ferguson. People Habib say that, but people, people act like Habib doesn't know that. Like, he's not going to prepare <laughs> for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, my last fight, for example, well, I, got, I still got caught in it, but my opponent, I knew the only way he was going to beat me is by getting me in an armbar or a triangle. Yes, I got caught in an armbar, but like, I'm aware of that before the fight, you know? And yeah. then after that, I made sure I 
happened again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was nervous about that in round one. Like when, when, because like, obviously I'd oh, watched. I'd watch some of his. Um, I'd, it, it's Kane, isn't it? I don't know if it's Kane or Isaac is the first name, but Kane. Um, yeah. So, um, so I'd watch some of his um, some of Instagram and stuff, and it seems like he like he's even since your fight he's taken part in some grappling competitions and stuff. I think, and like I remember that when I saw that round one armbar, like I, I was more nervous about that than I was about Habib when he got caught in a guillotine because like, but I was just I was just watching your elbow. I was like, if he could just get his elbow get his elbow out and we'll all be okay and then when you stepped over and stuff and got out of it but but i, I was watching how you were throwing that arm because it was your right arm right yeah i was what i was watching how you were throwing that right arm and it didn't seem to put you off like like i, I like, yeah. like adrenaline's a hell of a drug as they say man yeah i know because you were still throwing it like you were throwing it on the ground you were throwing it in the stand up as, as, as soon as the fight finished i hurt i hurt I felt it on my arm. It was starting hurt. It started hurting a lot. Right. I came out the cage. My uncle saw me, and he just came like, you know, just came like, give me a hug on my elbow. I was like, ah, you know. I was yeah, telling yeah. everyone, I was shaking my hand, my waist. You know, it was it was in pain. And even now, like, it's been what two, three months. And sometimes today, I remember I was hitting the bag and I missed a punch, right. and my arm fully extended. And I was like, ah, it hurt a little bit. You know, right, I want to okay. get it checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be it's careful like, with that, Charlotte. Yeah. 85, 90% recovered, but still want to mm. check out, get a check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed that fight, by the way, actually. Um, I even had, like, my in-laws and stuff and my wife were watching it and everything. Um, it's been, it's quite beautiful to see just how Somali people will kind of rally behind I this. I it's appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Give them a thank you, yeah. a thank you for there, there was something that you did that at the time I wanted to ask you if it was deliberate. I think it was in round two, maybe, or, or it might have been near the end of round one, where... You kind of went for like a spinning back kick um, with, with your right leg, but you ended up in like an opportunity for a knee bar. It was like you overshot it. You ended up in a position where it sort of overshot and then, um, yeah, it was sort of behind him and you were able to sort of roll into position like a knee bar and it looked really clean, but I don't know if it was just because you missed the spinning nah, back it kick. Just, <laughs> I went for a spinning back kick and like if he stood in the same place, it would have got him like on yeah, his yeah. ribs, but he moved like an inch and then... He kind of grabbed my back and that's what, and tried to drag me down. And I rolled into a leg lock. I didn't want to roll like commit to it fully, but mm. my coaches at the corner were going crazy. They were like, "What are you doing?" They told me no spinning, no spinning till it's time. <laughs> but it says every time. But like, Muhi is not Muhi without spinning. You know, like <laughs> I just, it's not good. Though. I yeah. need to. It, it looked it looked kind of like it was deliberate. It, it looked kind of like you'd thrown it because you knew that if it missed, at least you could go for a knee bar. It sort of looked deliberate, so it was nice anyway. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like when I do it in training, when I practice it, you know, I can hit pads, but every time in the fight, it always goes wrong, man. Mm. There's so many variables, aren't there, though? Like when you're on the feet and stuff, it only takes like a... It takes a slight bit of movement. It takes a slight angle. It takes you you placing your other foot in a slightly different way, and like it's 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 a different game, isn't it? Like the yeah. you know, the, the stand up is like that, obviously. So like so so what's next for you though, Ahi? Because like at the moment you're you're reigning and a defending champion, and you've defended. Have you defended all of your belts? I have. I'm champion in four organizations. I've defended three, yeah. and one of them, the fourth one that I haven't defended. Um, I haven't defended because the show's kind of been put on hold. Yeah. Kind of in the show, the management of that. So just, yeah, I've practically, I've defended everything I can. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Because like, it, yeah, because I mean, 
I don't know, like you've, you, you've displayed in your finishes. I mean, your last fight obviously was a decision. You've had a rear naked choke. I've seen an arm bar. Like you, it seems like you've had a variety of finishes. Have you had a TKO or, or a knockout? I've had, um, my debut was ground and pound. Only. Okay, nice. Okay, cool. So like you've, you've displayed an ability to fish, finish fights and, and stuff. Like it's, yeah. it seems, well, I don't know. I suppose it's just naivety from me not knowing so much about, uh, about it at this point. That like, for me, I'm thinking, why aren't you being given, some, given something above it? Like, why are you being expected to constantly defend people who are lower down than you in the rankings against, against the title contenders? Like what, what, what is uh, next? Like at what point, what, what is the next step up for you? Um, the reason is because, like, you know me, I've always said, like, it's better to have titles and defend them. Like, I've been offered more title fights, like, maybe two, three, four different titles. But, like, you know, with amateur, because everyone turns pro or goes up away, the belt just becomes vacant. So they'll call me like, oh, Muhi, you want to fight so-and-so for a belt on this date? And I think, why am I going to do that? Take this belt. There was, like... I don't like fighting for vacant belts. I really don't like it. Although every single one of my belts was vacant, like, but I defended them, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Defend, so this is what I don't like. I just, like, say you, you win a belt and you never defend it. Yeah. You won a vacant belt and you never defended a vacant belt. Like, what, what was there to it? Like, you could have just put anyone on the card, fight for that belt. He never defends it. There's no difference to this so-called champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and like I've always asked for the top guys now alhamdulillah I'm ranked number one I've asked for number two I've asked for number three I've asked, number, I've asked for so many guys you know my last fight number two ranked guy beat him like I've always tried to get the hardest fights you know amateur because it's all about learning um, next fight honestly I just want one more fight or I think one more fight and then I'll turn professional Okay. But what what for? Like what what are you what are you hoping to develop in 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 those fights? Like do, like obviously in your last fight you wanted a five round fight. Like you wanted to show that you could do five rounds, didn't you? Like is it is that something in particular that you want before you turn pro? I would really really want a five round fight, but I don't know, man. I don't know if it will happen. Um, like my last opponent, you know, if you watch that, there's no reason to give him a rematch. But if he wants five rounds, I'll give him a rematch. Like next fight, I'll have to fight. Five rounds is like, you know, I know I dominated that fight minus that armbar, but like, I feel like I was robbed of a finish, you know, from then changing the fight to a three-round fight. Yeah. Literally three, four hours before the fight, they told me it's a three-round fight. Yeah. Saying there was, but it was a miscommunication, you know, so like, it was very... Yeah, it's not right. At, at, at the end, it, it looked like he didn't want it anymore. Like, at the end, the referee could have... The referee, there, were, there were times where the referee could have stopped it at the end. Like, I think I even heard someone in your corner saying he doesn't want it anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think this next part, I want to... I want to sh- I want to show some striking, you know? Like, I need to let striking come out. So, like, even as a professional, like, the confidence was there. I'm confident, Masha, but as in, like, I've done it, you know? And mm. kind of bring it back out like since I started fighting MMA and I stopped fighting kickboxing I feel like my striking technically I've gone better but in my fights the aggression and the like ferocity is not it's not like it was before you know okay um, I kind of want not a war but I want to get into it a little bit kinda. yeah 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 no, yeah. I, I get that, bro. Like, I, I don't interpret that as being that you're, like, an aggressive person or something. I, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, the, the only sport that I've played, like, a high level is rugby. Like, that down here in Cornwall, 
rugby is like bigger than football down here. People love it down here. And, and growing up, like I, I had the honour of um, representing Cornwall in under 15s and under 16s and then continue to play in college and stuff. And like, I, I, I get that, bro. Like sometimes, sometimes you want a war. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'd, sometimes I'd hope that we'd have snow. Sometimes I'd hope that we'd have snow on match day. So I'd be like, look, I can show my opposite number that I can handle catching the ball when my fingers are freezing. But I want to show my opposite number that I'm the one who can run fast in the snow. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I get that, bro. Like, 100% get that. You know, I need it because I want to show my striking. You know, like when you have that rawness in your striking, you can come forward and you can, you can hit, like you can... You know, you can you fight. It's a fight. You know, like mm. I need, like I just the last fight was perfect for me, matchup wise. You know, for me to show my striking. I said, I know I have better striking than him. He's got very good jujitsu. I believe I can nullify his jujitsu on the ground, but I don't even want to get into that. And I've got the wrestling advantage that he can't take me down, and he couldn't take me down. He pulled guard mm. twice. That's what I never thought. Like I thought it's perfect. I will stand up the whole fight because he can't take me down, and I'm not mm. going to take him down. But then he jumped guard, you know, like yeah. this game is crazy, man. I, I, I thought that was really strange. I thought it was really strange. You don't often see people jump guard in MMA unless they unless it's for a gear team or something. Do, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, you, know, you don't really, see it a lot. Really on their back, you know. But it was like this MMA. MMA is just crazy. Like, who would have thought it would have been that much grappling without me going for him going for a takedown? You know, he just jumped guard. So mm. I just hope the next fight I can I can be happy with it, man. And yeah, I mean, there, there were a few times on, I don't know, on, on the ground, like, it never looked. I mean, it, it, even the, even the armbar attempt in round one, it happened really quickly. Like, it, like it sort of it ended yeah. up on the ground. His, you know, he, he moved his hips really smoothly and, and he just caught it. Did you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. the, in the later rounds, when it ended up on the ground, there, there was one time when your arm was sort of behind his back and I worried about an Oma Plata or a Kimura. There was one time, but, like, it, 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 didn't look, it didn't ever look like your arm was going behind your back. I just thought, like, that, that's something that I would probably be fighting for if I was in his position. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that makes tons of sense. But something I wanted to ask you actually about, about fighting at flyweight, right? So, so flyweight, 125 pounds, right? What, what is that in kilos? Do you know what that is in kilos? 56.7 kilos. Okay. And how tall are you? Five, seven, five, eight. Wow. So you're actually, you're actually probably a little bit taller than me and, and you make flyweight, which is like, that's amazing, man. Like, so what, what is your, what is your, like, your typical diet like? Because like, like, I know some brothers who train and like, they've just got a high metabolism. Like, they're just light. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what is your diet like? Um, nothing, nothing amazing. But it's one thing that once this whole lockdown is like, especially, you know, now that I'm coming towards the end of my amateur career, I'm starting professional. Like, I need to see this as a job, you know. I need to yeah. treat it like a job. Like, I need to be like, the same way I wouldn't miss a day at work. I ain't going to miss a day of training. I ain't going to yeah. slack. You know, I'm tired. Well, you got to get up. You got to go to work. And that's how it's going to be for me. And one thing I need to change is is my diet. I want to, like, I'm not eating, like, junk, junk all the time. But, like, I need to, I need to eat the right foods, you know? Not just yeah. eat. Come home from training. And then the first thing I see is what I put in my mouth. It's like, I need to. No, I mean I need to put the right things in me. You, yeah. you get a, you get a petrol car and you put diesel. It's get it gets me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you gotta like, yeah. No, that you makes sense. Take care sense. of yourself. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I think this one thing I need to. But as of now, my diet is not different to most of the people that are gonna be watching this. Man. Like <laughs> I wake up in the morning, 
love cereal. I love cereal. I, I will just eat cereal. And lunch, I'll um, lunch. I'll just have. I'll have some sort of. I don't know bread with something or rice or something. Some carbs and some meat or. Okay. And then dinner, something similar. You know, like typical, typical. Yeah. So so basically, like you're you're, you're eating typically like at home, just whatever, like whatever's cooked and stuff in it. Like you're, you're just eating that. But yeah, you're tra- yeah, yeah. But you're training hard as well, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. I mean, Only okay. maybe like two weeks before the fight, I'll say. I'll change certain things up, you know, to mm-hmm. get my weight down a bit more, and yep. that's it, really. Nothing amazing. What What other stuff are you doing, like, like for, for for your professional career, inshallah? Like, obviously, for fighters, for fighters now, like a lot of it is about kind of your own personal brand and how you promote yourself. Like that that stuff's really important, obviously, now more than ever. Obviously, I see you doing bits on Instagram, obviously, like, mashallah, you got you got a decent audience over there and stuff now. Like, are you on any other mm-hmm. platforms, or is like what what other stuff are you doing? I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Um, nice. Yeah, just, but Instagram is like where you can build the most, I think. Like, Twitter is kind of, it's a, it's a bit weird, Twitter. Like, I'm on there, I've got like a decent following on there, but I don't even, I'm a noob on there, you know. <laughs> right, right. I don't okay. even have to. Like, yeah. I, I use it like Instagram. Like, I put a picture and I caption every time, but that's not really what Twitter's about, you know. I don't really. No, yeah. I don't use it that much. Fair enough. It's better than nothing, though. I feel like just repurposing your Instagram content for Twitter. Like it's it's not it's not the best Twitter strategy, but like if your head's in other places, like you you can only concentrate on a certain number of things, isn't it? Like you're you're not you're not a professional social media marketer. Like you're a fire. Do you know what I mean? So like in, on, on, on the side, it's just. I'm professional on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, mashallah, mashallah. Because you know, like, um, um, so someone else would like to talk to you about um, in a second, inshallah. Like, like Sean O'Malley, obviously, he's like a young bantamweight who's sort of coming up. Had, a, had an amazing performance the other day, first round walk walk off knockout, and um, like he he does gaming on Twitch and stuff. Like, it's pretty yeah. sick that like you know that like an MMA fighter, like professional MMA fighter in the UFC, has a Twitch channel and has his own podcast and stuff like that. So like those. The, the, those are definitely things inshallah like as as kind of your career progresses that you should definitely think about because like that's that's just cool for your audience to be able to um to be able to connect with you somehow and not only that it's not it's not only that it's like he's making money from it like yeah, i think yeah. he won so go he won like a tournament i think he got like maybe thirty thousand or something maybe my he made some decent money like oh no no like from from gaming you definitely can just the, the, the yeah. reason why the reason why i raised my eyebrows at 30 grand is because he made 40 grand from his fight do you know what I mean? So like, like I, I know that yeah, sounds like some decent money. I don't know if it was like ten or yeah. Maybe I got the figures completely wrong. Yeah. But um, yeah, he made some decent money, and the only reason he's got that is for his platform. You know, like fighting, people think like every fighter is a millionaire. Like, let's not get it twisted. <laughs> We're not. And second of all, like the like Habib. Let me give you an example. Habib. Habib gets paid good. But he can make so much more outside that cage. Yeah. Like, think about it. He can do a seminar anywhere in the world tomorrow. He'll say, I'm charging $100. 100 people. That's 10,000. Yeah. Like, just something so one hour's work, you make 10,000. You know, like, forget him going to do something with the Prince of Dubai. Forget him doing some meeting the King of Egypt. You know, like, there's so many avenues to make money. And... Like something as simple as personal training, you know, like there's so many avenues other than the fighting to make money, man. 100%. But that's, that's most powerful and is most the case if you have some kind of personal brand. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's so many things about Habib that he's so successful in that. 
you know what I mean? Like e- even people who maybe uh, I don't understand it because because I love grappling, but even people who don't particularly like his fighting style, like like Habib having like you know Habib time, send me location and stuff. Like there's so much that is so recognizably Habib's brand, isn't it? And like you know that's yeah. you know as you say, of course, like outside that ring, he could he can make way more money than he makes inside the ring. Of course he can, of course he can. But yeah, you know, yeah, and that's why I always like I focus on my brand. You know, like. Um, to be honest, I'm very fortunate that I'm Somali because Somalis it's a is a known fact that they support each other in like more I've never seen like another nation supporting their own like we support our own. I, I've never seen it, whether that's in good or bad. <laughs> but you know, like yeah, it's just I think this helps like like now it's helped me grow my brand a lot. Most of my brand is our people, do you know what I'm saying? And like, I always think about this because, like, I'm not fighting forever. Who knows? Like, if I stop fighting tomorrow, let's say, let's say I get injured tomorrow and it's, it's game over. Like, life goes on. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, I've already, if I've already built a platform, I can still kind of use my career, even though I'm not, even though it's over, I can still carry on using it to do things in life and whatnot. Exactly, man. There's there's loads of fighters like that. Like there's loads. Of, yeah, there's there's tons of fighters like that. You know, Michael Bisping. I mean, he he still makes loads of money from stuff that are like post fighting. I mean, yeah, there's tons. Like Daniel Cormier. You know, he's a commentator, does seminars, all kinds. Of, like he's another person who probably makes more money outside the cage than he ever has inside the cage. Even though he's like a heavyweight, a champion and light heavyweight champion. Like he even probably makes more money outside the cage than in. Yeah, the UFC's only got so much money. The rest of the money's out there in the world for mm. for it to be taken. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just a matter of you finding a way to do it, man. Yeah. So um, obviously, like the the obviously, like if you're serious about if you're serious about MMA, like it's probably serious. It's probably on. It's probably fair to say that you're aiming for the UFC in it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like anyone who's serious about MMA, they're probably aiming for the UFC. Yeah. Obviously, the UFC doesn't have a flyweight division. So, like, is it something that you've? Sorry. It does have flyweight division. Does it still? Because I thought Henry Cejudo yeah, was the champion of the flyweight division, and then they just got rid of it. No, 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 no. Um, he vacated his belt, and then they made a title fight actually a few months ago. Joseph Benavides versus a guy called Figueiredo, Brazilian. But it was a big slap in the face because basically Figueiredo missed weight. Okay. And if you miss weight for a title fight, you don't get the belt. And right. he ended up winning, so... The champions mm. still the belt vacant. I've heard of like one oh, way. Yeah. I've heard of one way title fights before, but like I, I thought because I remember having I remember hearing a discussion about the flyweight division, just not really attracting the the, the attention. It do, it does seem generally in combat sports like the heavier weight divisions, like just among Definitely. the casuals and stuff, they are just more popular. Do you know what I mean? Like it's I, I think the bantamweight is gonna I think the bantamweight division is gonna kind of um, go contrary to that because. You've got some big personalities in there now, yeah. but like, I, what I really wanted to get to is: Would you ever consider moving up? Like, do, would you like? Have you ever competed at bantamweight, and is it a weight that you feel comfortable at? Um, I, my first fight was it wasn't really a, it was at bantamweight, but it was at the same day weighing, you know. So it's not really bantamweight. Okay. Um, would I consider it? As of now, no. Um, so if, if I you did do it, it would. Have, so the UFC call you, bring Muhyiddin Abu Bakr. Do you want to fight tomorrow at bantamweight? We'll offer you a fight on fight on Fight Island. Will, will, will you take it? 
If I, of okay, if the UFC call up, of if course UFC would, call yeah. up came, yeah, if UFC call up came at bantamweight, maybe I'd take it. But obviously, then after the fight, I fly it. But even then, I don't know. It just it have to be where I'm at in my career. Do I think I'm gonna get to the UFC without it? Because short notice fight, the world's stacked against you. You know, like people say you ain't got nothing to lose. Short notice, but you do have something to lose. You got money to lose on your like win bonus. You've got your name, like say you get knocked out in the first round, your name gets tarnished. Like a lot of things, you know. Like, no, you do, you but, do definitely, yeah. Yeah. But people feel like if if you take a big opportunity on short notice, it's like you've got everything to gain but nothing to lose. It's not like that, man. If you knew the pain of a loss, you would never say that. The pain yeah. of a loss is enough. Oh, but even the you know, obviously like, obviously I can't relate to that because I've never competed, but like even even like the damage that you can take. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot, a lot of people don't appreciate. Like when when you step in that ring, like you know, like I'm, I'm you know, I'm, well, I'm sure you know yeah. better than anyone. I'm sure even like your family talked to you about it and stuff. Like, you know, obviously well, you're tra- obviously you're trained in how to protect yourself, obviously. But like, you 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 can lose a piece of you in that ring. Do you know what I mean? Like there are some professional fighters who, but especially boxers, where like in boxing it's basically only punches to the head. Where like, and also, it's like you lose when you say you lose, not when the ref says you lose. You know, like. The ref stops it when he's getting unsafe in MMA. There's a big difference in MMA and boxing. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah, MMA, yeah. I'm a ground and pound. You could be protecting all the shots, but if you're not moving, the ref is just going to stop it. Okay. Boxing, there's guys taking 50 punches and the fight is just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, do, do, what do you think about like some of the stoppages that we've seen in the bantamweight division? Because obviously the one against um, TJ Dillashaw when Henry Cejudo won was controversial. The most, well, the one recently against Dominic Cruz was controversial. Like, what, what do you think about like, because I've heard a lot of people argue that at bantamweight, people aren't hitting as hard as like Francis Ngannou at heavyweight and stuff. Do, do you think that's a fair argument or not? It is a fair argument, but this is the thing about MMA. MMA is not like, even when we go to the, when we're in the rules meeting, like, when I fight on shows, there's amateurs and professionals on the card. There's a rules meeting, and they say, if you're taking shots and you're not intelligently defending yourself, i.e. moving out of position, showing me you can get out of that position, we're going to stop the fight. If you're getting, if you're in a position where a guy's punching you 30 times, but you're too tough for your own good, don't tell me, oh, I take 50 punches in the gym. Like, you're you're not intelligently defending yourself and you're not showing me you can get out of that. I'm not here to watch you just get pounded, you know? Yeah, so yeah. the ref will stop. I feel like that applies. That's, that's MMA, you know? Like, weight, 60 kilos or 120 kilos, that's MMA. Like, yeah. I don't think, you, to be honest. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. Weight, if you're talking about, like, the weight of the punches, you know, Francis Ngannou, like, but those guys are also bigger. They can absorb more. Like, even though we're not hitting as hard, we can absorb less. So yeah. it's, it's, it works both ways. True. So what do you think about, because, uh, you know, I, I assume having said that, you were you were fine with the stoppage um, when uh, Kamar Usman beat Colby Covington. Definitely. One million percent. Same. And I was satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same. Yeah, same, same. I, I don't think that was, I don't think there was any question about that stoppage honestly personally. it was only it's only Colby Covington who had a question about the, about the stoppage really <laughs> yeah I would, I would have loved it to be later but yeah but it is I, what it I is I don't think that was what did you yeah. think about um about the Gilbert Burns fight with um with Tyron Woodley um, did you watch that fight I didn't watch much of it I, 
like my internet was just giving me a headache that day okay. and I was trying to go to sleep and then like four o'clock someone messages me Tyron Woodley's breaking my heart man yeah I was like what so I put it on and I see the fifth round and Gilbert Burns was all over him and yeah yeah I picked Gilbert Burns to win again did you really but, yeah I did I did wow even on your Instagram poll I, I, I picked Tyron Woodley it broke my heart as well man I, I don't know why I think it was because I, th- I think Tyron Woodley was um you know, as soon as I, like from the first time I think I started to become familiar with the welterweight division, I think Tyron Woodley was the champ because he had been for a little while. Not 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 forever, but he had been for a little while already. And um, I just felt bad for him, man. <laughs> like, I don't know, it just it just doesn't look like the Tyron Woodley who beat Darren Till. Like that that Tyron Woodley was just yeah. was ferocious, but but just against against Kamara Usman, he didn't look like it. Like against Gilbert Burns, he didn't look like it. And I, I like Gilbert Burns. Do you know what I mean? I like not not so long ago, I watched um, Gilbert Burns grapple with Gary Tonin, and I really enjoyed that. Like I, I enjoyed what I enjoyed watching that. I, th- I think yeah. they actually, I think they competed about a year ago or something. But, but I, I've liked Gilbert Burns for quite a while, and his last last victories have been really impressive. But it still broke my heart, man. And it does seem seems a bit harsh on Leon Edwards that Gilbert Burns is getting the next title shot, though. He spoke about it the other day. He said that he got offered it before Gilbert Burns, but some lockdown issues. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't man. It wasn't possible. Yeah. Have you met Leon Edwards? No, I haven't. Okay. Because yeah. like obviously I don't know I how know. sort of. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Go on. Um, I know quite a few guys from his gym, and they've told me come down and whatnot a few times. Mm. But definitely should make a trip down there. Yeah, because I I don't know sort of how tightly um connected the MMA community is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, me me saying that might be as ridiculous as like people asking me if because I'm white I know the Queen. Do you know what I mean? But I, I just thought I'd ask that like if you know if, if you know Leon Edwards. Like even even my last opponent, like I can show messages. Like I've been speaking to that guy since like 2016, 2017. No way. I know him. You know, I'm not speaking yet. This game is like as raw as it is. Me personally, outside the cage, before the cage, 10 minutes before we walk out, we can be best friends, you know? Just that few minutes that we're in the cage is a different story, but I've known a lot of my opponents after the fight are, like, very close to me. Like, when I fought in Bahrain, um, I fought against uh, a Dagestani guy, and, like, now me and him are, like, super tight, you know, like, speak all the time. Even my last opponent, we used to speak here and there, as in before the fight, obviously after the fight, not so much with him. Do you ever feel a, like? Do you feel a conflict with with fighting another Muslim? It's definitely not nice because, like, it's like for example, and I'm gonna say this example because obviously there's gonna be non-Muslim viewers as well. Like, like you see when two UK guys fight, for example, it's not nice for them. You know, they're yeah. fighting their own people. Like, imagine if I was fighting a Somali tomorrow. Yeah. People go crazy. It's like it's not nice to try to take something from your own people, you know. Um, yeah, it's definitely not something I like. Yeah, yeah, I know. I suppose you, you just got to see it as sport, isn't it? Like it's just it's just sport. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it's, you know. For example, like my Dagestani opponent, for him, he's done it a million of times because he's pretty much always been around them people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me. It's, it's like new territory kind of thing like before the fight I'm thinking this is a bit crazy you know like I've never it's like I'm not feeling bad like I'm gonna go beat I just feel like oh, I'm fighting one of my own people like imagine if I was fighting a Somali today or imagine like you know it's it's crazy 
Yeah. Like imagine if I Somali tomorrow. Imagine how people would. That's a difficult. Sad, that's, you know? Yeah, that's a difficult position to be in, actually. Because I, because I, I, I think I thought about it with Habib as well. Because obviously, like, like, like you, you would never. I know, alhamdulillah, their their timelines are different. But like, you would like. I don't think Habib would ever accept a fight with Islam Makachev. Like, that, like, firstly, they're different positions in the league anyway. Like, that, that's that's a whole other issue. But like, but Habib must have fought. A hundred Islam Makhachevs, like other people from his country and his village and stuff, or whatever. But but before he turned pro, that's that's just it's, it's a bit rough, isn't it? Islam Makhachev and him is like it's more it's more than that, you know. It's like that's his long like been yeah. training his whole life, you know. It's a bit different, but yeah, definitely like uh, the Dagestanis, for example, they fight each other every day in the amateur leagues. Yeah, yeah. But professional ranks, or let me give you a better example, Chechens. They, like, when I mean, I've seen it with my own eye, like, they hope, they fight them, they fight each other in amateur. But professional leagues, whether they're living there or living in the West or anywhere, they, they don't fight each other. It's like a, it's like a covenant, you know? Like, mm. they don't fight each other, honestly. I've seen it. One of my friends showed me there was a matchmaker looking for an opponent for three guys, all bantam which with similar records. He's like, we're all Chechens. We don't want to fight each other. Right. Three guys on the same team. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's tough to fight your own people, you know? It's like even UK guys. It's never like when fans see UK versus UK in the UFC, it's like, ah, oh, come on, you know? Yeah, I know, I know, like, I know. Yeah. Like, there, there have been times where, like, it would have made sense for Leon Edwards to fight Darren Till. Like, there have been times where that would have made sense. But, like, it's not, it's not pretty. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, actually, yeah, it's not. Well. From every point of view, like, from the fighter's point of view, and also from a marketing point of view, you know, you kill, like, you kill one like golden egg, you know, of that yeah. that country kind of thing or that kind of people. So yeah, yeah. You know, I, I didn't even like the Gilbert Burns and Damian Maya fight because obviously both Brazilians, aren't they? Like I even didn't like that. Do you know what I mean? But you know, so I suppose in 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 a promotion like that, we've got so many Brazilians and so many Americans. Are you always gonna get it, aren't you? Like, yeah. of course you are. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Americans for them is is nothing. It's like it's UFC is American. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. So yeah. it's like. It's normal kind True. of thing. Yeah. How do you like? I, I wanted to ask you about kind of the mental aspect of preparing for a fight. Like, are there? there, there there's something else about being a champion, obviously, but the, the mental aspect of um, like, are, are there things that you do to prepare yourself to step in? Obviously, you're obviously you're confident in your own abilities because of what you do in the gym. But like, are there things before a fight that you kind of need to tell yourself, or things that just help you in that? Because like, I, I know, like, even just like. I've probably played a hundred rugby matches in my life, but I was I was as nervous in the last one as in the first. Like I remember being nervous, but it, but like, like in a team sport, like you could hide out on the wing or whatever if you want yeah, to, yeah, but there's yeah. no hiding in it's, that cage. There's so like one a, team sport is like if there's eleven players, there's one in eleven chance that you're gonna get the blame, you know. So <laughs> it's, you can yeah. Me preparing, you know, when I was younger, obviously I was new to the sport. I was also less mature in all aspects of life. So it was always kind of just like, I go there and just fight. Like just, you know, I just get put in chaos and just deal with it there, you know. But I remember one time, this was actually one of my earlier fights in kickboxing days. Someone was like to me, like I was walking around the venue and then one guy came up to me. He's like, he's like I wasn't stressed out or nothing. I wasn't nervous. He's like, why are you nervous? I'm not nervous. He's like, it's just a fight. What's the worst that can happen? And then I thought, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? And like, 
Um, and like, I kind of just taken that mentality always like, that's how I was early on, you know? But as I got older and more mature, um, like for me, I don't fear going in there, you know? Like, it's just another man. It's just, it, like, why should I be scared of him? If I've got reason to be scared of him, he should have reason to be scared of me too. Let him worry about me. Like, don't worry about him. <laughs> Let him worry about you. And like, I've always gone in there and I've just seen like, it's just another person. And also like, there's many things. For example, you'll be in there against a guy who's 60 kilos. For me, flyweight, 125 pounds. I go in the gym and I'm sparring with a guy who's 75 kilos. So why am I scared of this guy? And also when I, you know, when I take a fight, first of all, I never say no to fights, but when you accept the fight, it's like, you understand, well, this me personally, like, I don't, I don't fight with ego. I fight with my brain. Before the fight, I say to myself, like, today they'll give me an opponent. I'll watch him. I'll be like, okay, like, let's be real now, 100% real. How can this guy beat me? Can he knock me out? Okay, I'll give the example of my last fight. We got this name. Okay, how can this guy beat me? Can he outstrike me for nine minutes on the feet? I don't think so. Can he out-wrestle me and, you know, grind me out? No. Can he submit me? Yes, he can submit me. I can submit him too, but he can submit me. Okay. How can he submit me if I take him to the ground? How do I resolve that situation? I don't take him to the ground. You know, like, you've got to just, like, the doors to victory are there and the doors to losing are there. You've got to close the doors to, to defeat and you've got to open the doors to victory. And... You just got to be smart about how you approach these fights and don't approach it with the ego like, yeah, he's a striker, I'll strike him. Just, just win, win. That's mm-hmm. what you got to do, you know? Like, I don't like thinking about this fight or that fight. I'm just, give me a name, I'll prepare for him. And I'll, yeah. I've got eight weeks. I've just got one thing to deal with, one person. That's it, you know? And yeah, like now when I go to the fight, I prepare, I do everything. And that's it. I go there. And I'm just, I'm just content, you know, like what's going to be is going to be and what's written is written for me. And I can't control that. And when you're, when you're content with something before it's happened, whether in your favor or not, it like, how do I say? Like when you when you accept that, you're, you're content, you know, like yeah, yeah. you're not going to kill yourself about it and whatnot. And mm. yeah, you just go and okay nice there's a there's a few different things in there obviously like one of them actually putting into perspective like i I remember seeing on actually one of your instagram posts i think i don't know if it was in a caption or if it was actually in one of the videos or something saying like like how how does one man fear another man who's the same as him you know like at at the end of the day like this other individual is just another bag of muscle and skin held together with bones like who's who's who 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 are are created and you know and if you you hit two people like what can he, like, he's got two arms, I've got two arms. He's got two legs, I've got two legs. He bleeds, I bleed. He breathes, I breathe. And he punches, I punch. He kicks, I kick. Okay, let's say he punches better than me. Well, you better punch how he punches then. You know, like, there's nothing stopping you from doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Like, for Habib wrestles amazingly, but he's grabbing legs and he's dragging a guy to the ground. You can do it too, you know? Like, everyone is the same. And your competition... And this is not just 
for fighting. Like, and this is advice for everyone in life. If you're aiming for something and striving for something, you want to be the best footballer in the world, you want to be the biggest business, what's stopping you? Mm-hmm. Your, co- your, your competition is only human, you know? Like, if you're, a football, if you're a fighter and you're fighting against someone with three arms, okay, I understand. Maybe there's, you know, there's an advantage. But you're not, you know? It's like the competition is just human, same as you, man. Mm. that's true a lot, a lot of people kind of um sort of immortalize their challenges do you know what i mean and they think that the challenges are above them whereas obviously like actually allah has created them perfectly for us do you know what i mean like created challenges that are perfect for us to overcome and that, that that's a bit that's sort of a bit bigger than just fighting another human being do you know what i mean like that's that, that what i'm saying doesn't just apply to human beings but one thing yeah. one thing that's kind of made me think like this over the past couple of years is like when i travel and I see this guy, I see this fighter, this guy, you know, this guy with 5 million followers, this guy with 1 million followers, this UFC champion, this top 10, top 5 UFC. And I look at them, they walk in the street like me, they go to the restaurant like me, they mm. train like me. Yeah. Punch and kick just like you. And you realise that, and this, like, they're just human. They're, they're no different, man. Like, I've sat and ate with some of my favourite fighters, man. Guys who, five years ago, I used to watch on the screen, you know, eyes open and and I've sat down with them, had conversations with them, spoke with them and you realise like these same people, they pray behind you, you know, like they're not different kind of like all mm. the same, man. SubhanAllah. Yeah, SubhanAllah. Yeah, I'd say I've, I've noticed that in, in other things obviously that I'm interested in as well. Like I, well, like I, I was actually writing about it in an article recently about how, because um, obviously like one of my things is languages. That like languages is kind of one of my things. And when I, I first kind of became interested in languages when I, I went to a school in New Zealand and um, it was kind of like a school exchange thing. And out there um, at school, like here, we learn like Spanish and French in it at school. But out there, because of where they are, they learn Japanese and Chinese at school. And I remember like in our assembly, we had like some of the sixth formers, like, you know, people who are 16, 17 years old like delivering talks in like Japanese and Japanese and Chinese. I remember looking at them and just seeing these white guys faces and then Japanese and Chinese sounds coming out of them. And it blew my mind, but I thought like, he's not that smart. Like I remember like, I remember like seeing some people like who could speak really good Chinese. And I just remember thinking like, I know that dude, like I played, I played rugby with him and he's not that smart. He's not that different to me. Did you know what I mean? So like, it's yeah. SubhanAllah. It's profound, isn't it? Language, language is also something that I want to, delve into mm. some at some point in my life you know i, I think yeah. actually once in ramadan I, I woke up um i went to have a nap and i woke up like, like half an hour before fajr for some sahur and looked on your instagram and you're just chatting in russian <laughs> like i thought i thought it was because i was tired i wasn't understanding what you're saying and i realized subhanallah the brother speaking russian <laughs> yeah mashallah it's like i know a little bit of russian but that's only because I've been there. I've been to a place where they don't speak English. Like, yeah. if I put you in Japan for a month, believe me, you will learn Japanese. Yeah, yeah. When no one speaks English, you're going to learn. And this is how I was. I was two weeks in Chechnya in mountains and, like, no one speaking English. The restaurant don't speak English. The coaches don't speak English. The fighters don't speak English. I better start learning Russian, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's a good translate. And, you know, just practice. And then I realized, like, this language is not that hard, you know? Mm. It's just people are scared because it's a new alphabet. Right. But I don't really think, yeah, I want to, like, I want to learn a few languages, definitely. 
Yeah, inshallah, man. Which ones? Obviously, like I, I know you want to you want to strengthen your Somali. I know obviously Russian makes sense. Uh, are there any others? Um, do you speak Chimini, by the way? Chimini, yeah, Chimini, yes, I you do. do. Cool, cool. Um, nice. Is that like your language that you speak at home? Yeah, that and English mix and oh, yeah, match, cool. really. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, um, I think if I was to learn, yeah, then probably Arabic. Um, yeah. Like if I, out after those three that you said, Somali, Somali, Russian, Arabic, bar them probably, I don't know, maybe German or something. Nice, man. That's cool. Well, like for, for me, like, like my degree's in Arabic, right? And like I, I spent a year in Palestine. Like I went to university in Palestine for a year. And like when you're actually in that environment, when it's a necessity, like I probably learned more in that year than I did in the other three years learning it in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Because I did like two years at university in London, one year at university in Palestine. Then I did my final year back in London. And I probably learned more in that one year in Palestine than the other three <laughs> in London. But like with, with my Somali, like my learning Somali has always been from a position of comfort, which is why like I'm not a fluent speaker of Somali. Like my Somali is decent. Like I know a lot of Somali grammar and like, I can understand it pretty much pretty much perfectly do you know what i mean like i can watch move i can watch movies and stuff in somali and like i can chat to my in-laws about about it and stuff but like but like it's always been from a position of comfort like i learned somali in a in a classroom at university and then i'm with my in-laws who mostly also speak english as well so like i've never really had the necessity for it so i like i always feel like if i if i went to somalia for a month or two months like i'd that would probably that would probably be that would probably be more useful than the other like years that I've spent learning Somali from the comfort of my sofa yeah, sitting next to my missus. People don't understand like when you're like your environment influences you a lot, man. People don't understand, mm. especially with language. When you're forced to learn, you will learn, man. You got no choice. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Actually. Well, bro, honestly, there's things I could chat to you about for like for hours. Actually, I hope sometime in the future you'll come back onto the show another time. And to, to be honest, actually, I, I feel like this this one's been more for me, really, than for my audience. Like, like at times, I've just been, I feel like it's sometimes in our chat this evening, I feel like it's more for me than for my audience. It's more like me just having a chat with a brother rather than me actually thinking about what the audience want. But but it's all good. It's all good, isn't it? So, but maybe in the future, inshallah, I'd like to have you on again, maybe, because there's, you know, there's, there, there's other stuff I'd love to talk to you about, inshallah. But, um you know it's, so like maybe we'll end it on just asking you what what you want to happen next maybe because like obviously a lot of people a lot of people who are watching this and a lot of your audience like like they, they want to support you and they and they, they see what you do but people don't know how they can help until they know like are you looking for sponsors are you just looking to increase your audience are there like what, what do you want the next step to be in your career inshallah yeah fan obviously i'm always trying to grow my brand for multiple reasons you know like cool. yeah always you know trying to go always trying to find new avenues of making money new avenues new avenues of like um reaching a wider audience um we're always looking for sponsors always looking for anything that would just make me a better fighter or help nice. me in any way really um yeah to be honest probably next fight Hopefully this happens. This whole um, behind closed doors event that's been talked about, mm. and then after that, I'll probably just turn professional and yeah, and stuff. Go from there. 
inshallah. Good stuff, inshallah. Yeah. Well, um, I, honestly, I really appreciate you sparing some time for me this evening. I, I know it's been a late one for you, so I, I really, really appreciate that. And um, yeah, inshallah. Uh, unless there's anything else that you want to say, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? Uh, just for the people who do already follow me, thank you very much for always supporting. Um, I appreciate it, genuinely. Um, the support goes a long way. Um, yeah, it's never, it's never forgotten. Good stuff, man. Right, that's beautiful. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say goodbye to everybody. And uh, yeah, so that, that's it for this episode, bro. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum.